Michael Pineda is awesome. Will Myers hit for the cycle. Jay Bruce went double dongs. And James Paxton is going to win the Cy Young. These hot takes and more on today's Fantasy Baseball Today episode. Adam Azer with Scott White. Hello, Scott. Oh, a sing-songy introduction. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Hello, Chris Towers. Hello, Adam. There we go. We're in a good mood today. We're uh, rolling along on this Tuesday. And we got your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. And I think I'm in such a sing-songy mood because it's Team Name Tuesday. It's my favorite type of Tuesday. Love Team Name Tuesday. We got some good ones for you. That's what you always say. But we make we make time for the things we care about the most, Adam. And about 50% of the time, it's Team Name like the following Thursday. <laughs> Uh, today I promise there will be a team day <laughs> Tuesday. Famous and, last words. And I always say that they're good, and usually they're not that good. They're funny when I read them, but when I say them out loud, they're not as good. But considering most people are going to read team names, you know, in their league, I think, you know, I think people have good team names. I just I suck like at all of them. them. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so we also have Joaquin Benoit being named the Phillies closer and some injury news and update on Julio Arias and buy low, sell high. I hope you guys have some buy low, sell high candidates on your brain. I just made a buy low, sell high trade. The ultimate buy low, sell high trade. You traded Michael Pineda. No. You (laughs) traded, uh, Mitch Hanniger. No. Uh, what did you do? Uh, I traded, I think it was our head-to-head auction league. I traded, I gave up Dylan Bundy to get Garrett Cole. Oh. Okay. I feel that. That one. That's a, that's kind of a combo. Yeah. Buy low and sell high. But was it justified? Grade the trade, Scott. Um. To be. That's. No, no. I like. I don't know that I would have taken it in Chris's position. It being a head-to-head points league and Bundy being relief pitcher eligible, and I know who did you have higher a week ago? I no. I know my rankings say to take Cole. I just like I take kind of a do no harm approach to trading, especially when I'm not desperate and it's week two. So I like unless I'm like you, dead set. You on were this, taking Garrett. Cole. I'm winning this trade. You were taking Garrett Hole, Cole. Five or six rounds. Ahead I know. I understand. I understand the logic. Ago. I understand the logic. I just kind so of. So how is this do no harm? Because you're getting five to six rounds of I'm, surplus I'm value. I'm pessimistic about Cole, and I'm optimistic about Bundy. Unless I planned on just swinging Cole for a better pitcher than Bundy right after making this two trade, starts. I don't. I don't know that I'd want to do it's it. It's two starts, and you've already changed your opinion on Garrett Cole. And I'm not all... saying you're wrong to do it. I just don't know that I could have done it. In and, and, and it's only one start for. Dylan Bundy. I mean, yesterday you could have made a Brandon Finnegan for Garrett Cole trade, and you could have said, I don't know about that. And then look what Finnegan did yesterday. He was terrible. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not quite Dylan Bundy, but um, I I get what you're saying. But again, I just like I don't I don't ever want to look back on a trade and regret it. I and I rarely not. do. I, I could not do. do it. Yeah, I, I like the way I looked at it. It just it wouldn't be philosophically consistent with how I view fantasy baseball to pass that trade up mm-hmm. because it would be overreacting to a week's worth of games, and that's not something that I do. I get it. I do get it. Yeah. All right, well, let's overreact about Michael Pineda. Bad let's... day. Bad day to be a Pineda hater yesterday. and that, I'm a Pineda hater, and uh, he goes seven and two-thirds. He took a perfect game into the seventh or the eighth? To seventh, I think. And he struck out 11 with no walks, gave up one run on two hits, 
and threw about 12 change-ups, depending on which website you want to look at. But that's very significant. uh... That's the most important and encouraging thing for me in this outing. If he had just done this with his fastball and his slider, uh, I'd be like, well, Michael Pineda once struck out 16 Orioles over seven innings with no walks, and then he was terrible basically the rest of the season. Uh, that was two years ago, and we've seen this before. But the changeup, you know, about a dozen changeups yesterday, which is a lot more than he threw in the first start, um, mm-hmm. very, very encouraging sign, and maybe that means there's something to this Pineda thing. Yeah, I, Joe Girardi, I think it was, said hopefully this shows him that by mixing in that third pitch, he can be a lot more effective because he's been, it seems like there's been a reluctance on his part to use the changeup. And I don't even know, like, I don't think it's a particularly good changeup, but just having that third offering to show hitters to throw off their timing uh, might make a big difference. Austin Romine, who caught Pineda in this game, did say it was the best changeup he's seen from him, though. Mm-hmm. Guys, can we not? No, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. But <laughs> on on April sixteenth last season, he threw fourteen changeups. Oh on, yeah. Uh, in uh, in a May start, he threw fourteen. He followed. He threw fifteen and one. Followed that up with nine, and then fifteen in the next start. He had fourteen three starts later. I let's not do this with Michael Pineda. Let's not like try to find meaning in the tea leaves that are Michael Pineda's outings. Like, this is what he does. He looks really good sometimes, but he, of course he looks really good sometimes. He's a high-variance pitcher with great stuff who can't command it. He commanded it yesterday, and if he's fixed that, that's fine. He wasn't pitching up in the strike zone. He seemed to have a good sense of where his pitches were supposed to go. But... Okay, I, I I did this yesterday. He struck out ten or more six times prior today, uh, prior to yesterday's start. Ten or more in six different starts. His next six starts, he averaged a 4.29 ERA with 29 strikeouts and 35 and two thirds innings. I think that's the most Michael Pineda stat of all time. I'm just, I'm not going to look at Michael Pineda and say, ah, this is the one. This yeah. is now. Well, are it's are the any of us new. doing that? Kind of. I, I, don't, no. I don't feel like I was doing that. No. I mean, like, oh, he's throwing his change up. Austin Romine says it's like, this is what Michael yeah. Pineda does. There's no there's no inherent value in, in a single good Michael Pineda start. But nobody's disputing that. Like, we, we're, we're offering information. I, yeah. And you're just saying ignore all the information. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, and maybe, look, I think Michael Pineda is the biggest sell high in, base, in fantasy baseball right now. So, like, I don't... What I don't want to happen is you take such a strong stance that just by virtue of, uh, you know, adjacency, I look like I'm taking the opposite stance. I'm not taking the opposite stance here. I don't want Michael Pineda, and I think now is the golden opportunity to to cash in. I need to take the strong stance on Michael Pineda. And look, I think I'm the high guy on Michael Pineda in the standings because, or the rankings, because anyone who can strike out 250 batters in in a season has some value, but it's just, I don't think a flip just switched for Michael Pineda. Okay, all right. So, so we we haven't really. But Scott, you did There's, move him up a little bit in your rankings. Chris didn't, but right. that, but he's still higher on Pineda he's, than you he are. He's more valuable today than he was at this time yesterday. I I I think it'd be crazy not to say that. But, but is he better than he was yesterday? I don't know. Yeah. I I don't want to take the chance if I if I have a good offer. And and look, if you took Michael Pineda in the late rounds. Um, thinking, you know, he's a breakout candidate, and, and he is. He what he was, like 
if you're if you're making the right kind of trade with him right now, um, you're still getting the benefit of that breakout potential. Uh, just you're 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 passing the risk off to somebody else. So like that's a trade. That's a, I'd I'd trade Pineda for Cole today. That that's a trade I do, even if I'd be reluctant to do the same with Bundy. Um, yeah, that that's a no brainer. Yeah. Would you trade Michael Pineda for Kenta Maeda? Yes, I'd rather have Maeda. All right. Uh, cycle alert. Will Myers hit the second cycle in Padres history. Both of them have been at Coors Field. Matt Kemp had the other one. Myers went four for four. We had some standout performances yesterday for sure. Uh, Myers is hitting 382 with three home runs. He has not stolen a base yet. Uh, no walks, six strikeouts. Is Will Myers a sell high candidate? Or just hold? Yeah, just hold. He's, he's a top ten first baseman. I don't think this has changed anything. If someone views him as a top five first baseman, yeah, but I kind of doubt that. <laughs> right. And in, in the un, like the unrealistic, unless you're playing with sort of an amateur, you sell Will Myers for Miguel Cabrera right now. Probably, Absolutely. Every time. And then, <laughs> not gonna happen, you know, the, the, the funny thing is when we were talking about the spring that he had, one of the things that we were optimistic about with Will Myers was his strikeout to walk ratio was really good. And yeah. it was a lot better in the first half last season than it was in the second half last season. He's yet to walk. This season. Mike Zanino so, too, right? Mike Zanino had knows? a good walk to strikeout ratio. That didn't, that's not carrying over. So. Yeah, oops. It, it's, it's spring. Yeah. Um, alright. So not much to say about Myers. Congratulations on the cycle. Jay Bruce, <laughs> let's talk about some more standouts from Monday and, uh, then we'll get into buy low, sell high in a little bit and talk about Joaquin Benoit, how much fab you would put on Joaquin Benoit, uh, who is the new Phillies closer. And, you know, pretty, pretty decent numbers, a good career as well. Jay Bruce went two for three with two home runs. He has four home runs. The Mets as a team have eight home runs. So he has hit half of their dongs. Uh, off to a great start with a 304 batting average. He had a seven, he had, no, he had a 685 OPS in 50 games with the Mets last year. He was terrible. It was 613 at City Field. These two home runs were on the road yesterday at Philadelphia. Uh, is anybody believing in Jay Bruce? Who did he make the All Star team last year with the Reds? Um, that I'm sounds not right. sure. He was very good. I tell you that he, much. He, yeah, I know. He, I know he led the NL and RBI at the time of the trade. And I don't think. I think all his line with the Mets was was just an ill-timed slump. That you know Jay Bruce is always going to have slumps, and just it happened to come at the start of his Mets career because the second half of that stint with New York. He hit like 280 yeah, with six hit, home runs well, or something. Yeah, he hit well in September. Yeah, uh, so I think he's the same player he always has been. Um, I, the you know he's going to hit 30 home runs. It was nice that he hit a home run off a lefty yesterday because that's always a concern for him. I don't think he's put himself in jeopardy of in a crowded outfield situation losing playing time. I would also call him just by virtue of him being the top scoring outfielder in head-to-head points leagues so far. Six walks to three strikeouts. I mean, that's not something you would expect to continue. So I would also call him a good sell-high candidate, even though I expect 30 home runs from him this year. In the interest of consistency, because I'm the fly ball guy, uh, Jay Bruce is another person who has talked about how he, he, I believe he said, if I don't hit a single ground ball all season, that will be successful. Uh, He has hit 
a ground ball this season. So Failure! Already failing Jay Bruce, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he does have a 19.6 degree launch angle, which is, uh, about 60% higher than the league average. He has a 60% fly ball rate. I know it's early and these numbers are very small, but, uh, his approach so far does seem to be working and he's the kind of guy that you would think that approach would work for. By the way, I read a very interesting story about Ryan Zimmerman and his launch angle. Yep. You read that? We'll talk a little bit more about Zimmerman later. I don't know if I read the same one, but I know that he, uh, Daniel Murphy has taken him under his wing. Daniel Murphy and Justin Turner are like the main, uh, the main, uh, disciples of this flyball revolution. They're just taking everyone under their wings and trying to <laughs> make them soar. Well, the story was that Zimmerman is not really trying to do that, at least it seems. He's. Yeah, I saw, that's the story I read. The launch know. angle actually isn't up yet. No. But I know he talked about that being his, uh, his intention before. Well, he. Okay, what the story Adam and I read, and and maybe it'll play out differently, but it was less about actually changing the angle of his swing and more about swinging at pitches higher in the zone hmm. to make them fly balls. So, I mean, the same, he's aiming for the same result, but just in a different way. Uh, is that is that how you interpreted it, Adam? Well, actually, I don't know. <laughs> maybe we all, there are a lot of, lot of articles article. about Ryan Zimmerman. Um he his biggest change was uh he's not diving at pitches anymore. He's staying more upright with his swing. It's less of like a new age mechanical thing and more of an old school mechanical thing where he just he was just kind of diving all over the place for balls last year. He had a terrible year. He hit the ball hard, but he didn't get results. And now he's staying more upright with his swing and he's being a little more aggressive, swinging earlier in the count. Um, yeah. he, he's also. I, I think we read the same thing. We just okay. had different takeaways from it. All right. He's also been a pretty bad hitter, I think. For well, he's been he's been like a pretty useless fantasy hitter for a while. Yeah. I'm not sure I care about Ryan Zimmerman seven games, but he is batting 400 with three home runs. Um, he's I'm intrigued. I take a. I'm I'm ready I, to take a fly. I have him on a couple of rosters. I, I'm to the point now. Um, you know, as as hot as Trevor Shaw was those first that Travis first Shaw. series. Um, Travis Shaw, yeah. I think I might be willing to swap them out if I if it wasn't obviously a third base situation. It's a good thing Heath's not here. He would power bomb you through this. Uh, I know what is that? Scott, you're gonna. So last week it was pick up Travis Shaw. Now it's drop Shaw for Zimmerman. I thought we played the waiver wire the same way, Adam. That's how it works. You 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 ride the hot hand until he's not the hot hand anymore. It's a week. We played seven games. Like I I mean. The whole point is to corner the breakouts, and if there's another player, like obviously if Shaw's not the bottom player on my roster, he's not the one I'm dropping. But I imagine in some leagues he would be. Uh, I mean, if I hadn't had some DL spots to use, I probably wouldn't have picked up Ryan Zimmerman. But I think I actually did start him in one of my leagues this week. I mean, but Shaw, like Zimmerman's like thirty. Three years old or something. I don't know that we can call him a breakout. He also is one of the most injury prone players in, in baseball. He hasn't played more than 115 games, I think, in three seasons. Um, yeah. I mean, but look at just, I mean, last year was obviously terrible from start to finish, but two years ago, he had like that 11 homer September or something. Yeah, but he I had, mean, it wasn't enough to redeem his numbers completely, right. but it was a he month. Showed, uh, he showed he still has something left. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, James Paxton was awesome. James Paxton or Garrett Cole? Paxton. Yes. I might have had that ranking before the season. 
the buy low, sell high stuff is going to be kind of a theme today. Is James Paxton a sell high or is he a buy high? Is he going? You're asking to- the wrong two guys. I don't think either of us no. is going to say he's a sell high because nah. we were probably the two highest people in the industry. I was definitely the highest person in the industry on him. But I, my biggest regret. Is that I don't own James Paxton I don't in a either. single fantasy. I, I own him in two, and I've been trying to trade for him. I just offered <laughs> someone Danny Duffy for James Paxton straight up, and oh, I wow. really hope he accepts it. Yeah, I've tried to trade for him too, but I just I hate that. Like you're right about a player, and you're probably righter than the person who actually drafted him was about him, <laughs> but you just waited too long. Uh, but so you, you guys, you guys com- completely buy it with him. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I look at it, how hard he throws, how hard his fastball is to hit, and then he has two plus secondary pitches. I, for me, the only question's injury. And really, he didn't get hurt last season. Like, he got hit by a line drive. I'm not counting that. You know what it's crazy to think about? Like, he wasn't, he can throw a hundred, and he was, he, he topped out at 97, I think it was yesterday. It was sitting at 95. Like, it wasn't even his best stuff. Okay. Well, this is James Paxton. We're talking about a a big riser. Uh, Paxton or Tanaka? Paxton. Oh man, I'm I not. Had, I'm not sure. I'm ready to drop Tanaka that far yet. I but. had Paxton ahead of Tanaka before the season. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Paxton or Porcello? I had Paxton ahead of Porcello before the season. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with Porcello. <laughs> pa- geez, I don't even know who Chris had ahead of pa- Paxton or or. Clayton Kershaw, okay, Chris. Chris. To Paxton tell you how high Chris. I am on James Paxton, I had him ahead of Lance McCullers. <laughs> wow. Well, well I go. did too. But uh, all right, we me, love Paxton. You okay? We have we have to we have to couch this for each individual person. <laughs> what did you he think was of my number twenty-two uh, starting pitcher in Roto coming into the season? What did you think of Brandon Finnegan yesterday? Eighty-nine percent owned, two innings. Now remember, I, I said this after his his great start: seven scoreless with nine strikeouts against Philadelphia. Walks can be the issue for Finnegan, and even when he was really good last year at the end of the season, he still was a little wild, and yeah, he walked, think, he walked I, five. Yeah, no, I think we were all cautioning that, and, and that's all I read this as right now. I mean, if he has another start like this next time out, maybe we think about dropping him again, but I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass as good as that first start was, knowing that control issues do happen for him from time to time. Okay, so look, it, it is important for us in the longer, in the deeper leagues, people can't really add drop the way we like to, Scott. Um, mm-hmm. So Finnegan is definitely a hold, right? Uh, Yeah, I, it would have to be a pretty shallow league for me to even think about dropping him. Like, right. ten teams or fewer. Okay. Any other standouts from yesterday that you guys want to discuss? I have, I have Brett Gardner later on in the notes. Uh, I have... Mark Reynolds, who homered again, is 55%. I'll just, I'll just talk about something I was watching yesterday. Um, there's going to come a point at some point in like the next three years where it clicks for Tyler Glass now, but he is really far away right now. Okay. Like he was – yesterday his start was a good example of when a pitcher doesn't have command or control. He was just – he was all over the place. When he was in the strike zone, he was leaving it belt high and in. I, I don't I don't know if he's worth owning right now. Considering the Finnegan and Glassnow matchup was head to head, is there any evidence for or against it being a smaller like were they getting squeezed 
by the umpire. It certainly does not look that way based on the, uh, Brandon Finnegan might have had two balls called inside of the strike zone, so it doesn't look like it was, yeah. uh, that was the case. Okay. Just, I mean, they both have control issues. Yeah. Um, no, Glass now was just all over the place. He was right. a disaster. Right. Like, and he's, I mean, he's had in the minors, even this spring, like, he'll follow up a start like this with a start where he strikes out like, Nine and five innings. Oh, in, in and, the in the minors, he was striking out twelve per nine, but he was yeah. walking five per nine. It's just yeah, nobody could hit right. him down there. I I think he's actually like, and I think Andrew Miller, young Andrew Miller, had this issue. I don't think he's strong enough to control his long limbs. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I don't know if he has like the muscle strength, like the core strength, to like repeat his delivery. Hmm. Like Gumby. That's just a. The, the the sense I get from him, he's so skinny that it's just he has no control over what he's doing. Yeah, he has no center of gravity. That's Gumby. Yeah, that's the uh, the old Gumby disease. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gumby couldn't pitch. Terrible at pitching. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I I you know as also like didn't it's, have fingers. It's gonna click at some point for Tyler Glass. Now he's seventy percent owned. I, I think that's a guy that if you want someone on waivers, you can cut cut Tyler yeah. Glass now loose. Uh, I was watching Alex Wood last night, whose final line was absolutely terrible. I really like, he is, he is nasty. And I don't know when it's gonna happen, and I know that he's not even in the rotation when they're all healthy for the Dodgers, but I feel like at some point we're gonna be talking about Alex Wood being a must-add. I don't know. He, he's <laughs> so tough because so much of his, like, he does have pretty good stuff, but it feels like so much of his, uh, his success when he does succeed is based on deception and right. guile. Right. I, I think the stuff last night was kind of misleading because he was throwing like 94, 95. Yeah. But he's normally like 91, 92. I think it's just he was still in that reliever mindset. I don't know. He was starting. and he Which, was, he that's was not a bad thing. Throwing like, heat. Duffy stayed in that reliever mindset all year last year and was really good. Right. So I don't know if that's necessarily – a bad thing. I think that's something that some pitchers should. But could like could he as a starter? Could well, he stay? Could he just he throw three miles per hour harder? He hasn't really been able to uh, to stick as a starter doing what he was doing before. So why well, not try it? But yeah, I mean, like that's my. I, thing. I don't just, know. I don't know that it was performance that. I mean, we're kind of getting off on an Alex Wood tangent. Yeah, now. let's yeah let's rein it in. I, I, yeah, I should have brought it up. But there, we have more fantasy relevant <laughs> stuff to talk about here. Let's talk buy low, sell high. And, give, and well, actually, let me give you the big news first. Joaquin Benoit has been named the Philadelphia closer. So you know, we mentioned that that was certainly a possibility along with Hector Neris. And how much fab would you use on Benoit? Um, I think his security is like he's. He's a good enough pitcher to close all year. I, I don't think it's like with Jamar Gomez the closer. Like we knew it was he was going to lose the job at some point. Well, I guess the problem is like we knew Jamar Gomez was the third best reliever in his own bullpen. Uh, he may have been less than that. Yeah, but and now we know jo- Joaquin Benoit is probably no better than the second best reliever right. in his own bullpen. Right, so but it's... he's I mean he's had a very successful, yeah. dominant career, and even last year I think after. Good. Yeah, after he went over to the what was the Blue Jays? Yes, uh, that got him straight straightened out. Yeah, he was terrific. He had a um, 0380 RA. He's closing for the Phillies, and there is a good reliever behind him. So, 
I moved him like behind. Like he's right between Jim Johnson and Neftali Feliz in my rankings. So yeah, how much fab do you spend on him? It kind of just depends how, how, uh, how scarce closers are in your league. Um, you know, if, if it's everybody who, if you need saves and everybody who had, uh, who's getting saves is owned, I, I might spend like a, a tenth of my fab budget on him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like $10. Okay. Or 10%. Buster Posey was hit by a pitch in the head by Taiwan Walker. It appears he's escaped serious injury. Trey Did Turner. He, was he diagnosed with a concussion? Not that I'm Not aware yet. of. Okay, because that's, if he is, that's a real concern. They're, they're saying he's okay, but, uh, what I was reading is they, they also felt that way about Joe Panic at first, and then, yeah, he actually played for a while mm-hmm. before he started to yeah, develop well, that's, concussion symptoms. Concussion symptoms don't always come about immediately. Yeah. Trey Turner's on the DL with a hamstring injury. Still not eligible at shortstop one more game, but they're thinking it might only be 10 days on the DL for Trey Turner, and the Nationals called up Michael Taylor. Gene Segura day-to-day with a mild hamstring injury. Taylor Motter replaced him. They're hoping that Segura doesn't miss more than a day or two. He's going on the DL. It's a 10-day <laughs> DL. It's like... Trey Turner was only supposed to miss a day or two, too. Right. Yeah. Like, in, a day or two can... If it, if it, if you're worried it's going to become five or six, you just put them on the DL. Yeah. Now. If 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 you have seven games or eight games in the next ten days, and he's going to miss two of them anyway, get that extra play. Like we're going to see so many players on the DL. I'm already starting to get annoyed with it. Yeah. I think maybe <laughs> uh maybe it'll actually be a welcome thing in well, fantasy just, because like you can just clarity. assume. Yeah. Right. You can just assume. Okay, he's going on the DL. Except with Josh Donaldson when he just outright says, I'm going to play in the home opener. We'll see if that was just a lot of tough talk or if he actually does. David Price making progress. Still no timetable for his return. Jackie Bradley Jr. is on the DL with a sprained ligament in his knee. Gary Sanchez is going to miss four weeks with a bicep strain. Justin Turner left with a mild leg injury. This one really might be a mild leg injury. Turner (laughs) might not go. I think it could have been a Charlie horse. They're not sure. So he could be okay. And uh, Dave Roberts talking about Julio Arias and saying maybe by the end of April we'll see Arias pitch for the Dodgers. So hooray for him. Uh, buy low, sell high coming up in just a bit. But question for you listeners out there. Do you want 15% off a new watch? And an awesome-looking watch at that. Check out Movement Watches. Their website is MVMT. That's M as in Mary, MVMTwatches.com. Our offer is at mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. That's mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. 15% off. Movement Watches was founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. We want to look good without paying too much, right? That formula has led to Movement Watches becoming the world's fastest-growing watch company. Just go to the website. See for yourself. It's really it's awesome stuff. They've got men's and women's watches. I, I like the Maverick watch. I think that's my favorite. And I'm pretty much astonished at how affordable everything is. Watches can be pretty pricey. This is a great way to get a great watch at a great price. So get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. It's it's really an awesome offer. Take advantage of it. Go to mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. Step up your watch game. mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. Join the movement. All right, buy low, sell high. Uh, who comes to mind? Uh, let me just throw out names of studs who are off to terrible starts, and you tell me if any of them are not by low candidates. Are there any red flags here? Jose Altuve, 
No extra base hits, 188 batting average. Hasn't even scored a run. Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> struck out it. Oh, sorry. Were we, are we not going one by one here? No, let me, let me read a bunch of names here. Um, okay. Miguel Cabrera is two for 21 with no runs or RBIs. Charlie Blackman's off to a bad start. He's batting 219. Carlos Gonzalez and Trevor Story are both, uh, hitting very poorly. Nelson Cruz and Kyle Seeger are off to bad starts. And Matt Carpenter is off to a bad start as well. So Altuve, Cabrera, Blackman, Carlos Gonzalez, Story, Nelson Cruz, Kyle Seeger, Matt Carpenter. Do any of those guys uh, worry you, or are they all obvious buy lows? I'd buy low on any of them. You do have to acknowledge that Miguel Cabrera came into the season with a back injury, and it's possible that that's not uh, fully healed and... What Carpenter had a what? What did he have this spring? He uh, had a back injury as well. Back injury turn into the oblique. Um, and story strikes out. So like there obvious there are reasons you could be like you could you could see how this could become a bigger issue. But it's just like it's so early. Like it's yeah. and knowing their track records, it's like and the, like the the fairest assumption is to just say. Let's let's not do with Miguel Cabrera what we spent a decade doing with David Ortiz, which is every April be like, this is the one. (laughs) Yeah, this is it. He's done. Like he's still the he still, I think, led the majors in exit velocity last season. He's still well above average so far this season. Not concerned. And Cabrera, it's April 11th today. On April 24th, 2016, Miguel Cabrera was batting 206 with a 302 slugging percentage of one home run. And he finished the and year he was with terrible. Yeah, he was the rest awful. Of the year. Oh, right, yeah, the rest <laughs> of the year he sucked. Yeah, he finished the year three sixteen batting average with thirty eight homers and one hundred and eight RBIs. Um, Carlos Gonzalez, like I guess he's a buy low. Yeah, I don't know that he's someone I'd buy just because I didn't want him to begin with. He only had like twenty five home runs last year, and he hit six after the All Star break. And I don't know. I've just sort of been waiting for the end of the line for for Carlos Gonzalez. <laughs> it hasn't happened. For like four years. He steals yeah. like zero bases. Now you might get two steals out of Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, so right. I do, I do agree he's a buy low if you could give up, like I'd give up Adam Eaton for him, but I, I, I don't necessarily know that I'm going out of my way to make Carlos Gonzalez offers. The only reason I'd be concerned is if we think this slow start leads to the Rockies trading him. But as long as he's in course field, I, I'm not going to be concerned. Okay. Speaking of Adam Eaton, I do have, well, we'll get to him in a second. I have him as a potential sell high. I want to get your opinion on that. Um, how about Tanaka? Well, we talked about him yesterday. Uh, I think he's a, I think Scott and I think he's a, a buy low. How about Andrew McCutcheon? Four for we 24. I, there's no way I'm buying low on him. There's no way. Yeah. I, I, if, if Adam Azer was the Andrew McCutcheon owner, I would definitely make an offer. Uh, <laughs> if someone's, if someone's panicking and like not viewing him as a top twenty-five outfielder, I would go out and, and make an offer for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a big priority for me, but uh, well, you know, I'm trying to think of examples, and like, this this kind of gets to the Bundy Cole thing, actually. Like, would you do Mazzara straight up for McCutcheon? I think so. Would you do Puig straight up for McCutcheon? I'm pretty sure I would, but those players both have so much upside themselves that you could certainly see how it would backfire uh, I think I'd be um, like a sell high I'd be more interested in doing would be like Jay Bruce who yeah. I pretty much know who Jay Bruce is I'd rather point. have he's McCutcheon. valuable but I'd rather take the chance on McCutcheon yeah. I would too 
the thing is with McCutcheon, I really think he might end up being a very format-specific guy because even though he has uh, two walks and seven strikeouts, I feel like he'll do pretty well in walk-to-strikeout ratio and be a better outfielder in points leagues than Roto. I don't think he's going to stand out in any category. You know, like, bat, I, I, you know, he used to be a standout in batting average, give you about 30 home runs and, and good steals. I don't know that he's going to give you any standout in any category at this point. So, you know, like like Scott and I briefly debated adding Denard Span in a head-to-head categories league, and Scott's like, well, he doesn't really stand out in any categories. I feel like McCutcheon doesn't either. So in a Roto league, yeah, I'm just not really interested in buying low on him or having him. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I still like him. Having is a little strong because then you get into, well, what if somebody releases him? Of course I would pick him up if somebody released yeah. him, but realistically I know I'd have to pay a price <laughs> to have him. And he'll get hot. I mean, like he'll he'll have a nice little stretch. It just seems like, well, you know how I feel about McCutcheon, but you guys obviously think uh, you. And the you, entire Pirates team isn't hitting right now, right? Like right. Nobody's really hitting well. No, no, they're not. All the guys we like a lot more, or some people liked a lot more at least. Yeah, they're all struggling. All right, is Chris Davis with a K a buy high? Maybe people aren't really buying it, but. Last year he was the number 18 outfielder in points, number 11 in Roto. Should we be valuing Chris Davis with a K as a top 15 outfielder? Four home runs, he, by the way. I, I think he's just pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand I ranked him lower than what he finished as last year, but I ranked him more or less with the expectation he could do that again. Um, it's just I felt like there were hitters with – there were some outfielders with upside I liked a little more, uh, who I thought had a chance of leapfrogging him that I ranked ahead and still do. I, nothing about Chris Davis's, K-Riss Davis's performance so far has really changed my Did you opinion have on him. Trumbo ahead of him? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I view them pretty much the same. Um, Davis just, he hits the ball really hard. But like where's, where's McCutcheon? Like, would you rather have McCutcheon or, or K-Riss Davis? Uh, McCutcheon still. See that's I would me also is... say McCutcheon, though if it's a roto scenario where I drafted Chris Davis, like I need his power. Like I drafted him like because I know I needed those home runs from him. I don't know that I'd make that trade. And I would make the trade in, in that if I had McCutcheon and was being offered and, and like somebody just didn't really buy Chris Davis or whatever and, and I offered my McCutcheon for Chris Davis, I would do that. I think I would rather have Chris Davis. It depends on the format for me. Sure. Good point. Again, format specific thing. Maybe in a points league, no. In a roto league, yes. Yeah. As mentioned, Chris Davis was 18th in points, 11th in roto last year. Sell high candidates. Who's a sell high candidate to you guys? Uh, Pineda, anyone that we haven't talked about today though? Well, I kind of spoiled my two biggest ones in Pineda and Jay Bruce. Cause, uh, a lot of, a lot of the play, a lot of the hitters who have, um, performed the best their position so far are still ones who aren't even universally owned and I think it's always hard to trade those players for more than other borderline rosterable players um, I mean JT Real Muto yeah that's a good one like nobody expects him to hit 500 obviously but his uh batted ball, ball profile early in the season, his exit velocity is actually, I believe, below average by a couple of miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He got really lucky, I think, on Sunday night, had a triple that Jay Bruce pretty obviously should have caught. <laughs> That's the downside to the Jay Bruce experience, even when he's hitting home runs. He has to play the field for the Mets. Um, so he's an obvious sell-high candidate to me. And I like the idea of, like, I don't think you could trade Real Muto for Jonathan Lucroy. He's off to a bad start. I don't think you could make that trade one for one in a league of, with owners of any sense. But, you know, maybe Real Muto with your sixth starting pitcher for Lucroy. I could see that working potentially. And I, I would probably, this is a risky one and I don't feel super great about it. Uh, but Nomar Mazzara, I think is worth viewing as a sell high. There's a chance that it's just clicked for him. He's an elite prospect. He has the pedigree. If he turns into, I, I made the the comp yesterday to Scott, but if he turns into like Freddie Freeman overnight, it wouldn't surprise me because he has that kind of talent. But the the underlying stats last season didn't back up even the relatively middling numbers that he put up. But who cares about Mazzara's stats as a rookie? He was so young. Right. That's 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 the thing is that if it clicks, then he he could be a monster. He could be. You know, like I said, Freddie Freeman or like prime Carlos Gonzalez type of player. Um, it's just the underlying skill set wasn't there last year. So you're you're betting on him having figured it out with not a lot of evidence backing it up yet. And also still no success against left handed hit uh, left handed yeah. pitchers. But you could be could be trading away this yeah. year's breakout. So it, that is a little risky. Yeah, um, that's. That's kind of gets into the do no harm territory I was talking about. Look, I'm, I'm not in, in my actual playing out of fantasy leagues and partly it's because I know the people I'm playing against. I'm, I'm not going to like pull the wool over their eyes, you know? I don't really, I'm not big on actually doing the buy low, sell high game like in real life. Um, and part of it's because of what I was saying about the level of my competition, but part of it's, too because I'm not confident really in anything I'm seeing right now. Yeah, I like that's my default is to not change my opinion on a player until like unless there's like a really compelling reason mm-hmm. to not really change my opinion on a player until like the end of April. But when it's a player like Mazzara, who I didn't rank very high because I know I didn't need to invest that much in him, but like from the get-go, I acknowledge he has a ton of upside, yeah. and if this could be the start of it, like, just just to kind of, like, you know, have some kind of small gain on my roster, like, to turn it into a small gain when it could, Mazzara himself could be a monster gain. Yeah. Like, that's just not worth it to me. Right. And I I think when you have guys who have a longer track record, it's clearer right now who's a buy-sell candidate. Right. Right, like the Bruce example. Like the Bruce example, exactly. And that's why I really want to try to get Masahiro Tanaka, and I actually am going to make some offers for Tanaka. Here's a guy I'm thinking about selling, and I'm very happy with him so far, and I think he's good, really good. But Kyle Schwerber. Kyle Schwerber is only batting two twenty two, but he has a three eighty two on base. He's got two home runs. He has uh, six walks, ten strikeouts. He's being a good leadoff hitter. Hasn't played catcher yet, whatever. He's played seven games and scored uh, scored five runs. He hadn't sat yet. Kyle Schwarber has played every game. So is Joe Madden, was he lying to us? Or are they really <laughs> going to start sitting him? 
and he's supposed to play 140 games maximum, and he's played seven out of seven, and including five yeah. days in a row now. And the interesting thing is uh, he has been pulled from five of those games. He still had five plate appearances in each game that he was pulled from, <laughs> except for one. He's a big so, winner right now, a big time. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, I, I've been very encouraged. Um, and I've been encouraged by how much the Cubs have played Jason Hayward in center field. I know just top of mind it's at least three games that Hayward started in center, which is allow Schwarber, Zobrist, and Baez all three in the lineup at once. Um, I'm more surprised at how much Baez has played. I'm surprised at both. I, like, Schwarber, one of my biggest, one of the big, like, the biggest reason I had him in my bus column is because I didn't think he was going to play every day, and I thought maybe he'd sit a lot against left-handers. And that, they've only faced one left-handed starter, I think, so far, so, you know, we're not completely out of the woods with yeah. that, but it's, it's very encouraging. Like, I, I'd, I'd almost call him a buy low. Buy high. Well, he's batting what, 200? Uh, two yeah, two thirty or something. Two twenty two. Yeah. So like before the season, in my mind, there was absolutely no doubt I wanted uh, Gregory Polanco over Kyle Schwarber. Maybe I make that trade offer. I am still a little concerned about Gregory Polanco's shoulder, and he's off to such a bad start, except for like one four hit game. But you know, I maybe maybe that's something I want to do because I, I do think there's going to be there's going to be some days where Kyle Schwarber sits. There's just no question about it. Um. The the fact that he could you know stumble into catcher eligibility is still out there for me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still not uh, that that's a real long shot to me though. Okay, man, it's tough. I it's so hard to sell high on guys sometimes unless you just know that you should be doing it. But you know maybe I should reach even higher. Maybe like I should try for Stanton instead of Schwarber or something. With like Schwarber, that. yeah. I, I feel like I feel like people are going to fall in love with Kyle Schwarber, and you might yeah. be able to really pull off huge deals with him. But and are it, they, it could be warranted. But are they there yet? I he's not off to a very good start, right? That's I think he is. Well, let's see. Let's find out where Kyle Schwarber ranks. Let me. I'll look that up. Let me give you the next guy I had on my potential okay. uh, sell high list, and that was Adam Eaton, who's batting three thirty three. It just he's basically had the same exact season two years in a row, and he hits about two eighty five. With 14 home runs and 16-ish steals and scores over 90 runs. He's in a better lineup now, and he's batting 333 right now with already two steals and three doubles, eight walks, seven strikeouts. I think this is more of a roto thing because Eaton's great in points leagues. Gets a lot of doubles and triples. But do you think Adam Eaton is a, is a roto sell high? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think his limitations are pretty clear, and he's not going... I, I don't think see him taking a big step forward in home runs or stolen bases. I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up being a career season just because of the caliber of hitters batting behind yeah. him. Like I'm thinking specifically with walks and runs scored. Um, I could see him having his best season, maybe what ends up being the best season of his career. But certainly in Roto, I wouldn't be afraid to trade him if there was a good offer for him. And and the big thing for me is that he is hitting at the top of that lineup. There was some concern in the spring that they were going to bat him fifth, which didn't make any sense. Um, but the fact that he's hitting at the top of that lineup, that's a very good sign for me. So I'm not necessarily viewing him as a sell high. Kyle Schwarber, by the way, is the number 17 outfielder in points leagues. He's like number 37 in Roto because his batting yeah. average is so bad, but his on-base percentage is so and- good. 
there's going to be someone who has like three steals that's just way up at the top of the list just because yeah. it's so early in the season. Like Aaron Judge is ahead of Schwarber in, yeah. in Roto, and Corey Dickerson is ahead and stuff like that. So it's still early. Uh, anyone else? Who else did I have on the? Oh, Brandon Crawford. I don't buy Brandon Crawford. His best, so Brandon Crawford's best season was 2015. He was the number four shortstop in fantasy. If he replicated those numbers, 256 with 21 home runs, last year that would have made him the number 15 shortstop in fantasy. So same amount of points made him number four in 2015, would have made him number 15 behind Didi Gregorius in 2016. Very different landscape. Yeah, so unless he's going to be a better hitter and adjust to the landscape, or the landscape is going to go back to what it was in 2015, I th- I would be looking to sell Brandon Crawford right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, so would I. I I don't. He's not even in my top fifteen shortstops. Um, one sell high that I've seen a couple people pull up already, and and this guy's only about seventy percent owned, but um, being a closer, in, in some leagues he can be invaluable. Uh, and that's Brandon Kinsler who I don't think is very good, and I don't think the Twins are very good, but they've already given him three saves so far. Uh, if you have saves excess, and Brandon Kinsler is part of that, he's absolutely the one to trade. All right, as the season unfolds a little bit more, we'll tell you more buy low, more sell high, and more buy high, guys that we actually uh, believe in that maybe you can get cheap right now. But we got a, we got a lot more to talk about. Taiwan Walker, is he droppable? Uh Matt Moore had a great start yesterday. Adam Wainwright, is he droppable? We'll talk about all that after Team Name Tuesday. Told you I was going to get to it. And I'm going to sing because that's kind of what I do. Paul in Wichita has uh, a couple of 80s, made in the 80s themed team names. Welcome to the Jungho! <laughs> I think that's great. Welcome to the Jungho by Gog- Gogs and Roses. And uh <laughs> Mr. Rovato, which we've had before, which is also very good. Sorry for the screeching there. This is from John. This one's perfect for our podcast. Earn on zero chances. Earn on um, zero chance. Earn on zero chances. Non-zero. What? Oh, non-zero. Okay, yeah, I got it. Do you always think about um the shield when you hear Hernan Perez's name, Adam? No, why? Because there was a character the last couple seasons named Ernan who they were always talking about. There was? Now. Yeah. He was some kind of informant uh, for, I think, the FBI. No, I don't remember that. Okay. Uh, this is from Keenan Duke straight out of Los Angeles. For all the anime fans out there, Ghost in the Snell. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, th- I had a feeling Chris would get that one because uh, I don't. L- Lou D from Brooklyn, New York. There's snow... It's hard to say. There's Sano I in team. I like it. Yeah, it could mm. just be Sano I in team. Eh, no, that's good. This is from uh, Ju Young. Six pence, none the Gritchick. I like that one a lot. You got pence and Gritchick in there. It's yeah. Well, how, what's the actual? Six pence, none the richer. Okay. Was a. I think it's a Shakespeare quote, but it's it was a '90s alternative rock band. Kiss me. They sing Kiss Me. There She Goes. There I don't know she... if they were alternative rock. Were That's like a, a cover, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I believe by the lead singer's dad. No kidding. I think that's true. Wow. Right, but I could have uh, just made that up. This is from Ryan. 50-50. Team Name Tuesday, Kipnis Everdeen. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I like that. That one got a legit chuckle from me. And Ben on Twitter, he had a, he had a, um, a picture of the neighbors in Christmas vacation. And the team name is, I don't know, Margo. <laughs> right? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Awesome team name. The last two were the best. Yeah, we saved the best for last. Um, career revivals. Are you buying career revivals from Ryan Zimmerman, Mark Reynolds, and Brett Gardner, who has five steals? I am buying it from Ryan Zimmerman. <laughs> I think Brett Gardner can be useful. I don't see why we would think Mark Reynolds would be relevant when we didn't really view him as relevant last year playing in the exact same role. Yeah, and it's not going to last long. But Gardner with five steals, and he hasn't even had 25 in a season since 2011. So that he already has five now. You know what I say about steals, though. I, I agree with you. Desire. I agree with you in, in in most cases, and I agree in this case because I think the Yankees are going to have a bad lineup, and they know that they need him to run. Right. So. They they must have told him something. I I tried to find something written about this because that would obviously give me encourage me even more. But five for five already, and we're a week and a half into the season. I think that's uh I think that's something worth monitoring. Over under 30 steals, Brett Gardner. <sighs> You're asking to take the under. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I'm willing to say the over if just barely at this point. Gardner, by the way, in 2014 and 2015, he was about the number 25 outfielder in both points and roto. So is it possible that he could be a top 30 outfielder this year? He was terrible last year, but could Gardner, who's 44% owned, be a top 30 outfielder? Sure, it's possible. Yes. It's going to depend on him, I think, recapturing the base stealing he used to have, though. Well, yeah, or hitting, like, 12 home runs or something. Right, I'm, I'm less confident in that at this stage of his career. Yeah. yeah, he hit 17 and 16 home runs in those two seasons. They only stole 21 and 20 bases and still finished as a 25th outfielder or so. So we're hoping maybe more steals, fewer home runs this year. Uh Some pitchers from yesterday. Where should we go to? All right, are any of these pitchers who are about 90% owned, are any of them droppable, not necessarily today, but in the near future, you know, are, are these guys waiver wire fodder? And and some were good, some were bad yesterday, but just generally speaking, Taiwan Walker, Matt Moore, Ian Kennedy, Adam Wainwright, Jared Eikhoff. I would be fine dropping Adam Wainwright right now. Yes. Um. Taiwan Walker did show yesterday that he's not just going to throw his fastball all the time. Uh, it took him a little while early in the start. He was just throwing his fastball, but I think he ended up only throwing the fastball about 50 to 55% of the time. I think that's a, a key sign for him. He needs to actually pitch, not just throw. And uh, the results weren't great yesterday, but I am still willing to give him a, a little bit of rope. Okay, and uh, obviously nobody's dropping Eikhoff the way he's been pitching. No. Yeah. K- Kennedy is the one in a shallower league. I think I think he's mostly 87% owned because a two-start week. So and if you want to lean into that in a shallow league. You um, know who he is. Yeah, I, I do think he's undervalued on the whole, but, you know, if, your, league, not if your league's not particularly deep. You're, you're hoping one of these guys, Eikhoff, Moore, or Walker, could be special if right. something clicks. Right. It's really, it's very unlikely that Ian Kennedy is going to be anything but Ian Kennedy. 
Yeah, and and Moore has just been so good at AT&T Park. Last year at AT&T Park, he had a 316 ERA, only 12 walks and 37 innings. That's great for him. Uh, I don't know if that's great for him, but it's not terrible. And uh, he had a great start last night. No walks, five strikeouts in eight innings with one run against, I don't know, maybe the hottest lineup in baseball, the Diamondbacks. So good job, Matt Moore. Other starting pitchers from yesterday, Alex Cobb had a really interesting start. He pitched better than the line. He pitched a lot better than the line. Uh, I wish they had taken him out after the seventh. They left him in the eighth, and two more runs came in. One was earned. But one walk, seven strikeouts. Changeup apparently is not all the way there yet. But, you know, you look at Cobb and and so far two, I think, encouraging starts against, uh, I was going to say, a, not a great lineup of the Yankees. He's faced them twice. Uh, and I was just reading one of the writers that covers him saying the same thing. Very good start for Alex Cobb, and, and he's encouraged. So 78% owned. It was it was about 60% last time we talked about him. I think that feels about right, right? 78% for Cobb? I'd rather have him than Wainwright. Yep, me too. I think I'd rather so, have him than Taiwan Walker. I can um, still talk myself into Taiwan Walker having more upside. I don't know if that's rational. No, I'd agree. Point. I agree. I, 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 well, I don't know if I agree. I, I agree that you can talk yourself into it. But it's not all about upside. You know, I think Walker clearly has more downside. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, I feel Alex Cobb, you know, there are a lot of guys that have a lot of upside, like Robbie Ray and, and Taiwan Walker and anyone else who pitches for the Diamondbacks, basically. Like, I just I, – I don't know. I keep falling on the Alex Cobb side of that. I, I feel like he's got safety. Like, the only thing about Alex Cobb is – like, he hasn't had that start that grabs everyone's attention yet, and he wasn't this widely publicized sleeper breakout pitcher coming in, which is kind of weird because, you he know, him and, him and Lance Lynn coming back from Tommy John's surgery, Alex Cobb was the more highly valued of the two before that. So I don't know why, well, I don't know why there's this lack of enthusiasm for him. I don't but know if there's you can like, use that to your advantage. I don't know if there's like a ton of enthusiasm over Lance Lynn, or if it's just that like, one person on this show Became a Lance Lynn guy instead of an right. Alex Cobb guy. Well, but I mean, I, just look at the difference in ownership yeah. percentage, though. Especially, especially before his first start of the season, Cobb was about sixty percent owned, which really just surprised me. And right. I've been making the case. I mean, the guy had a sub three ERA two seasons in a row, and then he had Tommy John. He was so bad last year when he came back, but at least he came back. You know, this is, <laughs> you know. yeah, no, I you get no, past for that. I didn't realize Lance Lynn was ten percent higher than him. Yeah, that that doesn't make a ton of sense. Alrighty, and uh let's see who else. Oh, Jarrell Cotton. Jarrell Cotton had a great start after a really bad opening start. And Tyler Glass, now we talked about Charlie Morton, also pitched. Out of Cobb, Cotton, and Morton, who's your favorite? I think I, uh... Cobb. Yeah, I thought, I thought we were doing it. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah, Cobb's my favorite, but Morton's second. Morton's Morton. second. Morton was going well through four innings, and then it kind of all came apart for him in the fifth. Now, uh, I'm not it, saying that I'm a genius, but I'm not necessarily saying that I'm not a genius, but I'm not uh, a genius. I am. Yeah, okay, no, I'm not a genius. Uh, I mentioned, I watched uh, Charlie Morton's first start of the season, and I mentioned that he felt to me like the kind of pitcher that was going to struggle the third time through the order. Um, so yeah, I think I am a genius. That's what happened yesterday. <laughs> Why did you feel that way? I don't know if I was on that show with you. No, you weren't. I, the reason I felt that way was because I sort of saw the Mariners were taking a more aggressive approach with his fastball as they saw it a second time. 
Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a very good pitch right now, but I think people were sort of jumping on it. I think eventually as the game goes on, he won't be able to just use the fastball and the secondary pitches will become more important. And yeah. he, well, I think his curveball is just as important to his success as his fastball. And he got a lot of swings and misses on it. He's mostly thrown it to left-handers so far. I don't know why. Um, but I did see that stat. They showed like a full screen of that stat. I think I was watching the Astros broadcast usage against lefties versus righties. It looks like a good curveball, and it wasn't one he featured as extensively before this year with the Astros. So um, I still have some hope. I mean, it was a good strikeout total in this game. He did throw 17 of his 28 curveballs to lefties yesterday. Yeah, look, Barely I, I threw his fastball at all. I don't know if I'm going to be right about that. <laughs> Just It's something I, I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Um, well, usually, you know, like this is Dylan Bundy really struggled the third th- time through the order was one of the worst pitchers in baseball in that regard last season. And I think a big part of that is usually just a lack of a consistent third pitch or, or a fourth, you know, and I think that could be the case with Charlie Morton. He's got the fastball. He's got the curveball. He throws like a cutter and a two seamer that, you know, he doesn't seem to trust too much yet. Okay. And then in the bullpen, we had Cody Glover pitching the eighth in what was going to be a save situation. Nationals ended up blowing it open, but it looked like Glover was going to probably set up trying and uh, not a surprise. And Sean Doolittle got the save for Oakland. So there you go. Doolittle. Well, do they were saving Doolittle for the lefties. Yeah, That's what I was... he faced two lefties and uh, Casilla pitched the eighth and also struck out the side in a clean inning. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention quickly Glover. Trinan was unavailable for this game. Oh, so he was. Kelly was up to get the save over Glover. If uh, if it came to he ended up pitching the ninth anyway, but it wasn't a save situation anymore. Okay, so maybe a hit. He looks that... like a backup for saves in Washington. Interesting. Over interesting. All right, um, we got a few minutes left. Let's read some emails. This is Chris in Marathon, New York. Should I drop Nate Jones for Trevor Rosenthal in a holds league? Nah, I wouldn't. <laughs> Neither would I. Now you got a better chance of having a closer with with Jones. Yeah. Uh. Bill in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, Eddie Stone and Mike. No idea. Yeah, me either. Ten-team head-to-head mixed points league. I've got Howie Kendrick on my bench. What do you – he wants to know, like, is Howie Kendrick, you know, anything? Could he be a utility option? Not mm-hmm. in a ten-team yeah, league, no. Think, yeah. Maybe like a 16-team league. Uh, we've got uh, Leonte from Florida. Dear DJ, Carlos, and Nolan. Those are Rockies. Those are Rockies. Besides Moncada, are there any prospects I should have my eye on? should read Scott White's Prospect Watch column from last week on CBSSports.com. He has yeah. five guys. Five, five to stash. stash. And actually, every week I'll be updating who the top five minor leaguers are to stash at that moment in time. Um, that latest column, I had Bradley Zimmer in there. Of course, Julio Arias, who's in, in the minors right now. Uh, and then I also had Bellinger, Cody Bellinger, and uh, Jose De Leon, but he's going to be out for this next one because he's dealing with a forearm issue right now. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Chris, I'm pretty sure uh, that was Pearl Jam, Eddie Stone and Mike. I thought that. Yeah. I thought that because Mike McCready and Eddie Vedder, I don't know who Stone is. Uh, just a few more guys. Samir from Toronto, 7 by 7 OBP and OPS League. Who should I pick up? Ryan Healy, Greg Bird, Byron Buxton, or Travis Shaw? Go with the guy who's hitting right now, Ryan Healy. I'd rather still have Bird's 
That's what I said. I, t- I replied to Samir. I said Bert too. All right, I don't feel crazy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready to completely dispel my spring enthusiasm for Bird because. Me neither. Of... But I was enthusiastic about Ryan Healy too. Okay. Healy actually is not hitting all that well. I mean, he's got You're the the, well. the homers. <laughs> he's hitting better than Bird. Uh, Tyler, last one. Grade the trade. Give up Todd Frazier. Get Carlos Martinez. A plus. <laughs> a, you and Heath, I swear. A minus. This isn't a pass fail course, okay? It's an A minus. That is a um, huge win. Todd Frazier. I don't know if we talked about it enough, but I was talking to Heath about it yesterday. He made some changes last year that look like what you do when you're just about to lose it and you <laughs> need to hang on for whatever. Like he just became like a dead pool, dead fly ball cheat on fastballs kind of guy and uh so you you had pessimism for Frazier coming in is because yes. because i mean they were drafted in basically the same spot Frazier probably ahead in in categories leagues. so I, i'm gonna call this an even c nah. i like it i didn't call it an a but i understand where scott's coming from and i understand that this is the end of the show but we'll be back tomorrow to dazzle you again thank you very much for listening this is fantasy baseball today tell your friends see you tomorrow